Wilson on the rebound, and the Panthers win it in overtime. 2-1 the final. Welcome to Territory Talk, the official podcast of the Florida Panthers. Essex sends it straight ahead. Barkov has room, cruises in Barkov, makes it over, he scores! Here are your hosts, Jamison Olive and Doug Plagans. Hey everybody, welcome back to Territory Talk, episode number 57 of the official podcast of the Florida Panthers, available at floridapanthers.com slash Territory Talk, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify. We thank you very much for making Territory Talk a part of your week, wherever you found today's episode. Doug Plagans here alongside Jameson Olive from floridapanthers.com. As always, last episode here of the regular season at the time of the recording, Panthers gearing up for the last two games of the regular season Thursday at 7 against the Islanders. Jerseys off our backs after that one and then Saturday fan appreciation night presented by Walmart Panthers and the New Jersey Devils 7 o'clock coming up on Saturday night 954-835-PUCK FloridaPanthers.com Ticketmaster.com for tickets and at the time of the recording here Panthers riding a three game win streak into the final two games of the regular season. These last two especially against uh, a couple of very good hockey teams in the Washington Capitals and the Boston Bruins. The streak starts against Ottawa going back to uh, the road trip last week. So Panthers uh, have won three in a row coming into this game here against the Islanders. And uh, and Jamison, just looking at these last two, important for the Panthers to, to really finish strong. And that's been a theme that a lot of the guys have been talking about. <laughs> yeah, just to set the scene here as well. So we're in this uh, recording studio at the BB&T Center. We just had Aaron Eckblad in here. We'll get to him in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we'll have that conversation But because of the kind of weird chair setup, now that it's just Doug and I, I'm in a, a low chair and Doug's in a high chair. So he's pretty much just dictating down at me for this episode of the podcast. That's real. I feel like I'm getting yelled at, but it's good. But it, it's it's an emotional time. Like, let's get to yelling. But uh, no, for these last um, two games here, like you said, three-game winning streak right now. Last season, obviously, didn't make the playoffs, but they did end the season on a five-game winning streak. Felt good heading into the offseason. I think that should be the goal again here this time you know nothing to lose they've looked so good these past couple games beating teams like the Capitals like the Bruins teams that you know are going to the playoffs but they, they didn't pack it in in those games they were playing for something they're playing for positioning those teams wanted to win those games. The Panthers just wouldn't let them. They went out there and took it. They won those games, st- stole those two points. So for the Panthers here, just go out, do what they've been doing recently. Just, you know, put all your chips on the table, see what happens, and go for the two points. And something we talked about, I believe, on last week's episode was uh, whether or not we thought, or maybe it was a couple episodes ago, whether or not we thought that Alexander Barkov would surpass Pavel Bure's franchise record for points in a season. Well, right now, here at the time of the recording, he is tied with that mark, 94 points. For because Alexander we said he would break it. Yes, going into these final two games. That's the kind of uh, of power that Territory Talk has. <laughs> and uh, and here we are going into these final two games, and Alexander Barkov has just been on a tear, and so has Jonathan Huberto, and so has Evgeny Dadunov. That whole line has really just been the, the driving force here for the Panthers, and uh, two games left. Barkov needs one point to take over sole possession of uh, the top spot as far as most points in a season by a Panther. Jonathan Huberto right behind him. He's one point away from 90 on the year. That that would make him just the fourth Panther in team history to have a 90-point season in the history of uh, of the Panthers. Uh, Pavel Bray did it twice. Barkov's done it once now. Ole Jokinen had done it once. And and Jonathan Huberto set to be the uh, the next guy to get to 90 if he gets one point over these last two games. What can you say about just the the continued, uh, you know, just just hot pace that these two are on? And, and like I said, really, that whole line of Genny Dadnov, the uh, third member of that line, is, has been on fire as well. 
Well, it's just so cool for Barkov too because he is so you know team first, so about the playoffs. We've been we've been asking him about this post game practices, pre game for you know about three four weeks now, and every time he says you know hey it's great, but you know I really want to be the playoffs. But when he tied Bure the other night, you could see post game he said the same things, but you could kind of feel a little bit more that he really kind of it really kind of did hit him, and he was like wow like Pavel Bure and me like here we go. He even said you know to be mentioned in the same sentence as him is just incredible because let's not forget he comes from Russian parents. He is Finnish, but a lot of Russian heritage there. He grew up watching Pavel Buresan, just one of his favorite players to watch growing up with all the things he could do on offense. Obviously, Barkov being so good on defense, for him to idolize an offensive guy like that as well, a guy that didn't play a ton of defense, especially here during his time in South Florida, but that's you know, why he won those two Rocket Richards. But uh, he, to have Barky kind of have that admiration and be able to kind of match his hero, I think is so cool. And now kind of the goal here is, like you said, two games left. You know, How much farther is he going to go? He had three points last game. Vincent Trocek said post game that he would be shocked if Barky hits you know a hundred points next game because they've seen him get you know five six points in a game this season. So um, my guess, I mean, if we're if we're gonna play the guessing game again, we were already right. We already said he would get the record. So my guess now is I think he finishes with nine. No, I'll go ninety seven. Doug, what do you got? I was gonna say ninety eight wouldn't surprise me. A couple of two point games. The thing, Islanders are a stingy team, though. They, they, they're one of the top defensive teams in the league, but then you go to the Devils, a team you, that that game might open up a bit. I don't know. So either way, I think you know history will be made. It already has been made. I think it will be made again in these final two games, and uh, that's just for Barkov. You mentioned Jonathan Huberdeau as well, a guy that, you know, one point away from 90. If you look around the league, the teams that have two 90-point guys this season, you have Tampa, they have three, they have, you know, Stamkos, Kucherov, and Point, and you got Edmonton, you got Dreisaitl, and you got McDavid. So for the Panthers to be in that group with the elites of the elite, and for years now, we've been talking about Barkov being underrated and being an elite two-way player, a superstar. Now, suddenly, if you're Jonathan Huberto and you you had you know, 90 points this season, I don't know how you can't say Huberto is a part of that group. Huberto is an elite forward in this league. You don't you don't accidentally get 90 points in nope. the National Hockey League. So I think that's two guys now that when you look uh, look ahead, two guys locked up long-term, two guys that are still really, really early in their careers. You know, the, Basically, the prime is basically just starting for these guys. I, I don't know how you can't be excited for the offense going uh, you know, next year for these guys to put up these kind of numbers for many years to come. And uh, and again, Mike Hoffman, a 35-goal season for him. Third Panther to 35 goals. Keith Yandel this season has set a, a new team record for points in a season by a defenseman, for power play points in a year. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot of franchise records have fallen this season. And the funny thing is, too, I mean, you look back even you know three, four years ago, this team was dying for like, man, if we could just get 130 goal score, how great would that be? Like, we, we, we want one so bad. I mean, David Booth was the only you know 30 goal scorer you know, for, for quite a while there. Not, I should say the only, the, the latest one for a while there. Um, so to have now a guy like Mike Hoffman, here we are, you know, seven, eight minutes into a podcast, and we don't even mention the fact Mike Hoffman has 35 goals. It just kind of shows you all the weapons these te- this team has this year. I mean, Dadanov is getting really close to 30 goals this year. Huberto, you know, 28 goals, he could finish with 30 goals. So obviously the offensive firepower is there, the, the, the talent's there. You, you talk around the league, whether you're, you're watching NHL Network, you're watching ESPN, or you're just talking, you or I are talking to people that we see at games. Everyone knows this team should be better, and everyone knows this team will be better in the future with, you know, all the talent they have. And another important building block of this Panthers team who plays more minutes than anybody every night who is so important at both ends of the ice every night matching up against other teams top lines every night Aaron Ekblad and we had a chance to chat with him as uh, as Aaron Ekblad has posted yet another double digit goal season here's our conversation with Aaron Ekblad 
All right, well, Aaron, first just to, to kind of get into this, uh, I mean, a lot of guys having, having big individual seasons this year, obviously as a, as a team, not where you'd want to be overall. When you look back at the, at the season here with, with two games left, what's the, the first thing that comes to mind? What do you take away? I mean, it was a roller coaster of a year. I mean, we've had um, a few, you know, really great times and, and a few, uh, you know, really tough times. Uh, a lot of uh, hard learning experiences, and uh, you know, hopefully, we can take that into the future. I mean, obviously, we're having uh, a lot of learning experiences so far in, in the five years I've been here, but. Uh, you know, we feel that uh, it's time to turn it around at some point. I mean, you are part of the, the new leadership group here. You, Troach, Jans, Barky, obviously, as the captain. Troach, a couple games ago, talked about building that winning culture. As the leadership group, obviously, it takes every guy in the room, but how are you guys kind of learning this season about kind of building that and kind of maybe something you can build going forward on? Yeah, it was something that uh, guys like Willie Mitchell, Brian Campbell, uh, they really tried to stress um, in the room. Sean Thornton. Uh, building that winning culture that they've seen with other teams. Um, and it's something that, uh, you know, as a new leadership group, as a group that, uh, un, you know, not necessarily as you know, taking it by the um, by the balls, I guess you could say, um, uh, we're still learning, and uh, you know, we're still trying to take uh, some of those lessons that we learned from those guys and, and really instill it in our team. Um, and it's just taking time. You talk about those leaders like Willie, Thority, all those guys. Willie, in particular, obviously had a close relationship with. Is there any one thing or two lessons he might have given you early on in your career that you're still kind of using today? Yeah, I mean, uh, his biggest thing was just be a pro. Um, you know, you can't come to the rink any given day and say, you know, I'm not ready to play or, or I'm not willing to do what it takes to win. And, and uh, you know, on back-to-backs and stuff like that, when you're not really feeling it, you got to find a way to feel it and, and uh, simplify your game to the point where, um, you know, you're not working as hard maybe, but you're working smarter than you normally would. Um, because, you know, you don't always have the juice. I mean, we're playing 82 games a year, and, and uh, the best players in the world know how to manage their game when they're tired. Um, and uh, I think that's something that we all need to do maybe a little bit better. Does he still check in from time to time? I would say shoot you a text after a game or things like that, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah I mean, Willie's kind of moved on from the game of hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, he checks in on more of a personal standpoint. <laughs> Um, actually going to probably have dinner with him tonight I think uh, you know we planned something I'm not sure whether he still remembers but uh, we'll see <laughs> um, but yeah he, he checks in on a, a personal standpoint you know sometimes you'll say hey how you doing and you know I'll say yeah we just lost a couple games he's like I don't care about that how are you doing as a person is that weird I mean this guy lived and breathed hockey his whole life and now he's kind of like let's talk about dinner like I don't care how you guys yeah. did last game yeah, yeah he wants to talk about life and, and uh, you know in, in the grand scheme of life you know uh, he's moved on to you know bigger and better things um, at, at this point in his life i mean obviously my life is all about hockey right now and uh and and someday it won't be and and you know you you live a lot longer not playing hockey than you do hopefully um so uh, he's on to uh, bigger and better things and and uh you know he's always there uh on a personal standpoint to make sure you know me as a person is is good and okay and, and healthy and stuff like that and i, I like that i appreciate it is it kind of wild to look back and think that, you know, this almost your fifth season in, in the books here that uh, does it feel like it's gone by quick? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I think tomorrow is like 390 games, um, five years, a uh, lot of ups and downs, roller coasters, made the playoffs, um, you know, a lot of learning uh, lessons, curves, um, you know, things have gone and have not gone my way uh, personally. And um, you know, just trying to learn and grow as a player and, and a person. And, and you've you played all 82 last year. Have a have a chance to to do that again this year. Just how big is that to for for a player to go out there and and play every game? 
It's, it's confidence. I mean, um, you know, my first three years there, I had quite a few, you know, head injuries and concussions and stuff like that. And I didn't really know how to manage those and uh, whether they even were head injuries or not, whether they were neck related or, or otherwise, you know, blood flow related to the head. Um, I didn't understand that or know that. So I grew in that sense where, you know, I know whether I can manage it or not. And uh, I think this year and last year, um, just kind of found a way to endure through, you know, the smaller injuries and, and play and be a more complete player and, and be there for my team all 82 games. Do you learn anything from Keith Yandel? Obviously, the NHL's reigning Ironman and watching him every day. Is there anything you learn from him that's just in terms of staying healthy and just kind of being the best you can every game? Yeah. I mean, obviously, um, you know, you want to play as hard as you possibly can every night with, with still... Um, you know, managing playing in every game, and that's uh, that's obviously tough. I, I try not to hold anything back. If I can't play in 82, it's not the end of the world for me. Um, if I can play a little bit harder, for sure. And you talk about that. I mean, career high in hits right now this season. Last season was a career high in blocks. How are you kind of learning to kind of grow your, your physical game? Obviously, the offensive tools have always been there. This is your fifth straight season with 10-plus goals. That's just a big part of your game. But the physicality as a top-ranked defenseman, it seems like you're really embracing that. Yeah, not so much physicality, but just uh, positioning and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mean, uh, when it comes to blocks and hits and stuff like that, it doesn't mean so much to me as it, it does, you know, shutting down the other team's top line. Um, that's something that I've been entrusted with uh, the last couple of years, uh, something that's not so easy. Um, you're going to get beat. Uh, you got to try and limit uh, those as much as possible. I mean, uh, playing against the best players in the world, you know, they're making highlight reels against the best defensemen every night. It's... Uh, it happens, so um, it's all about forgetting the last play and, and trying to um, just be in the right position at the right time and, and take away their options as best as possible and trying to keep them to the outside because you know they're such great players in this league. Like you said, you're out there, you know, 22, 23 minutes a night. Those things happen throughout a game multiple times, at the good and the bad. How much of getting over that, like in the moment, is just coming from you within or your teammates maybe tapping on the shoulder and saying, "Hey, don't worry about it." Yeah, I mean, you need good support group, and I think we have that with this team. Um, nobody's just getting on you to get on you you know they understand that things happen in a game and um when you get beat uh, hopefully your partner's there to back you up and i think we we have that quite a bit on this team um uh, you know it's it's a battle playing it's top lines there's no doubt about it and like i said they're gonna they're gonna make good plays it's all about being in position to either help your partner or be uh, in a support position on a different play. And what is it like, especially in the league nowadays, maybe so more so than years past, every single team, whether the top team in the league or the worst team in the league, at least has that really one powerful line. So it seems like every night you know you're gonna, you have that challenge. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, the hardest lines to play against are, are not the skill guys paired with skill guys. It's the skill guys p- paired with a, a power forward who's going to you know dump the puck in and, and hit you. I mean, those are the... The tough teams to play against because they got uh, a hard four checker, someone who can get that puck to the slot to the goal scorer, and, and that's uh, that's the tough lines to play against. The Washington and Boston kind of have uh, are perfect examples of that. Two teams that you've seen recently, two teams that you guys have beaten recently, but they've kind of got those top lines that have the combination of everything. Exactly, scorers, passers, and four checkers. I mean, it's it's tough to break out against, and and when they're constantly coming at you with that kind of skill, power, and and persistency, it's it's tough. This is your your first time on the show, so I just want to go some some big bigger picture stuff. We haven't had a chance to go into a lot of these things, but I mean, looking back at the start of your career, we talked about the offense. It's always been there, but it seemed like back then a lot of your work was done around the blue line, a lot of floating shots to the net, hoping for deflections, rebounds, things like that, where now so many of your goals are coming right at the doorstep, you creeping up, whether it's from the circle or, like I said, right by the crease. Just Where did that kind of start in your head, that, that kind of directive to start doing that, and kind of where does that confidence come from to get up in the play like that? 
Yeah, I, I found in my first couple of years, it was it was kind of easy. We always had somebody in front of the net where you know I could float a puck through to Thomas Kopetsky or uh, Fleischman or um, or Bergenheim, and they were going to tip it in kind of thing. And and we do still have that now, and, and some players that do that kind of thing. But uh, but now uh, the opposite, the opposing team knows that you know guys are floating shots in. I, th- I think guys front pucks a lot better. We, we talk about it all the time with uh, Jack Capuano, um, you know, that we want to be in those, call them shit shots, um, <laughs> when those shots are just floated in for tips. You want to be in that shot lane. I think a lot more defensemen are doing that these days as well as forwards. So I've, I've kind of found that I've got to change the way I score and the way I do things. So I've got to be up in the rush and, and be making plays and catching passes on the offside and shooting quick. And you've got a real knack for knowing when that perfect time is to kind of kind of slide in behind everybody, especially on the power play. Is that, uh, you know, do you just kind of, I guess, when did you find the, the ability to really assess a situation like that? At what point did you get that comfort? And, and, and just when is that best time to kind of slide in behind everybody? <laughs> well, not when you're tired, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> usually off a breakout um, – when you know one of the wingers are caught low it happens to us a lot too i mean sometimes a winger gets caught low on the forecheck and if you can beat that guy up the ice and just kind of stay consistently five to ten feet in front of him um, there's a good chance that you can get that puck and be kind of wide open walking in uh, which happens um, i guess more often than not uh, especially when you're playing with guys like barkov and huberto that are great passers and able to kind of look you off and make a great pass to you so uh, that's the kind of situation that I like to try and put myself in, and then, and then on the power play as well. Just want to be on the doorstep for second chances and stuff the, like that. And you, you mentioned the power play, and both units have had a ton of success this season. I guess just how how would you rate just the the confidence that that the uh, groups have out there on the man advantage, and that you have had all season long? Yeah, I mean, in the end, power play units. I think they they say normally power play and penalty kill should add up to a hundred percent, and you're feeling pretty good. I'm not sure what our percentage is this year, but. Uh, you know, if you're at 25% and you're feeling good um, and both lines are contributing, uh, it's not necessarily, you know, 25% isn't necessarily like you're not looking at that number and saying, oh, I'm scoring a lot. It's one of every four, right? So it's uh, it's like a batting percentage in baseball, right? Like yep. you're not, you may not be hitting a lot, but it, it, it looks good, right? It feels good, so... And do, do you learn anything? I mean, the, the first unit eats up so much time out there once they get in the zone, cycling around, looking to get those shots for Hoffman or Hubie or even Yans and guys like that. The second unit doesn't get as much time out there. Do you learn anything watching those guys on the on, uh, when you're on the bench waiting for your shot that maybe you then take out there when you got your uh, time comes? Yeah, I mean, it's our it's our job to um, you know clean up the garbage a little bit uh, on the second unit. Um, you know, when those guys haven't scored and we get our thirty or forty seconds, we, we stress that we got to get out there and get the job done because that's how we help our team win. So, I think it's been a good uh, one-two punch this year um, between our first and second unit, and we try to you know pick up the trash and, and bring that extra edge to the game when they don't score. And we talked about, like I said, big picture. Looking back now, like Doug said, fifth year in the NHL, almost done here. When you look back at all the kind of the, the ups and downs you've gone through, is there anything you'd you know talk if you had a chance to talk to eighteen year old Aaron Eckblad coming to the league? Some advice you give him? Yeah, I mean, I, I they always say the sophomore struggle. I didn't I didn't struggle so much in my second year, but I had that mm-hmm. in my third year. Um, it, it felt almost uh, as if the game kind of came a little bit easy to me in my first two years, and and I think I took. Uh, not a summer off by any means, but I didn't work as hard as I should have um, going into that third season. And, uh, you know, that's something I regret and something I've always wanted to go back and change. But uh, it's been a big part of my learning experience as a player and as a person. And, you know, I kind of go into every summer 
trying to work as uh, as hard as I can, get as strong as I possibly can, and it set me up to have two pretty good years the last two years. And you mentioned summer last summer. You we were here a lot down in South Florida. You and I think Roberto Luongo were the two guys that kind of stuck around. Obviously, Lou, you know, he lives down here full time. But for yourself, is that the plan again this summer? Are you, you really embracing the the South Florida life again? Yeah, I embrace the life for sure. I mean, I'd like to go home um, a lot as mm-hmm. well, but uh, my girlfriend's in medical school down here, so. Uh, we like to stick around and, and, you know, obviously I want to support her as much as she supports me during the year. So um, we like to be in Florida. I went to Worlds last year, so was in Europe for a bit between, I think it was 40 or 50 days over there. It was a while, but uh, I embrace the South Florida lifestyle. I love it. Um, I love my home down here and, and uh, you know, I got a gym and stuff there, so it makes it easy to uh, get my workouts. Obviously, it's a little sleepy down there in Los Angeles. Do you ever get recognized down, downtown? Uh, more, I want to say more in the summertime. Actually. Really? Um, I, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't. It's kind of it's it's on and off, but I've I've gotten recognized, you know, five to ten times in a month, and then not the rest of the mm-hmm. year. It's kind of hit and miss down there. What are the the biggest parts of your your off season preparation? Like, I mean, I know you're you know looking ahead now, just uh, looking at probably getting some some time away from the rink as well, and that's just as big a part of the preparation as as actually putting in the work. But you know, as in terms of uh, the actual work and the preparation, and just uh, you know being able to take a little bit of a breather, what are the the biggest keys for you? Uh, taking a breather is huge. I mean, playing other sports, things like that. Go play beach volleyball. You know, work on you know hand-eye coordination, doing other things, whether it's tennis or golf. Um, just kind of getting away from the game, so that when you're ready to come back, it's you're more hungry to to do it. Um, one thing I'm you know doing a little bit differently, I think this summer is, is uh, uh, start working out a little bit earlier. Um, not necessarily hockey specific, because that kind of comes later in the summer. It'd be more um, maintenance work trying to build up the smaller muscles to carry a bigger load as the summer goes on so things like that that i want to start doing a little bit differently and and tweaking and seeing whether it works in, in future seasons how much do you keep in contact with the guys d- during the summer Just, uh, i mean we all go our separate ways mm-hmm. um you know there's always those inside jokes we will text each other or facetime and stuff like that um there's a few weddings this summer uh mcginn and hoffman matheson trocheck so uh, is that sure weird? These are guys that together. you used to go to D camp with and grew up with, and now it's all weddings, babies. I mean, it's getting, it's getting it's crazy. Insane, man. They're, they're all putting the pressure on me, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not budging anytime soon on, on either of those babies or uh, or uh, getting married. So, no luck there. Well, you, uh, again, you, you kind of look ahead here, but uh, again, just for you, the, this group of guys that you have here that's kind of grown up together, you got uh, this young core here, you, uh, Vincent Trocek, Barkov, Huberdo, Mike Matheson, guys that have, have all kind of grown up through the ranks here and, and gotten a ton of experience here together. What's it, uh, what's it meant just to, to kind of, I guess, learn the, learn the pro hockey life uh, on and off the ice with, with this group of guys and, and a group of guys that's going to continue to be a, a big part of the future? here yeah i think we've all had learning experiences like um you know my third year that i was talking about we've all had those kind of learning experiences and um they've all made us uh, better people in one way or better hockey players in one way or another so um it's amazing that we've gotten to uh, grow up together and um you know be great friends and, and great teammates and and uh you know make great plays with each other and, and kind of have fun on and off the ice and um you know it's all uh, cultivating into just you know 
uh, great friendships and, and long-lasting um, relationships. Well, Aaron, we thank you very much for for your time here. Wish you the the best of luck here these uh, these last couple. And uh, and again, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, thanks for having me, fellas. I hope you uh, got some good content. Great to catch up with Aaron Ekblad there, and uh, always great to to chat with him. and And we talked about it a little bit there, but hard to believe already his his fifth season almost uh, in the books here, and uh, another as I mentioned double digit goal campaign for him, and and always a great conversation there to catch up with Aaron Ekblad. Yeah, I feel like it was only you know yesterday we were saying eighteen year old Aaron Ekblad, eighteen year old Aaron Ekblad every two seconds because of all the th- great things he was doing as an eighteen year old during his Calder winning you know rookie season. But uh, you, you hear a lot of maturity there, which is what you want to see. I mean, he's Still only 23 years old, but you know, he's always been mature. Uh, he's always been years. mature behind his years, and that just kind of goes to show, you know, when he got exceptional status, he's been ahead of the curve for yep. a, lo- a long time now. And uh, you know, working with Bobby Orr, obviously as an agent, that this you know, whole wealth of information and kind of knowledge there that I'm sure he feeds off of, and the mentors like we talked about, Willie Mitchell, you know, Brian Campbell, those are guys just he plays with. Talk about the other guys, Sean Thornton, guys like that, Thomas Kapetsky. That was a great I, yep. I, the wave of nostalgia started going over for me when he started bringing up guys like Bergenheim and Kapetsky and all that. And it, it's crazy to think he played with those guys. I mean. I think now when you think about that era of Panthers and you drop names like that, you're like, oh, that was, you know, before I got here. No, you played with those guys. And it kind of shows you that 23, how uh, long I've been here and uh, approaching 400 career games. And that's just incredible. I mean, you look at guys, you know, a lot of defensemen who are, you know, his age, 23, you know, 22, 24, they're either just getting to the NHL or just maybe approaching 100 at best. It, it, usually guys are late mm-hmm. starters, late bloomers. So here he just has so much under his belt that, you know, you kind of see him now taking that and using it uh, going forward and he's 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 the guy when you talk about the the young group of uh the, the core here should i say obviously yandel's locked up long term he's a veteran he's a part of this core though uh but x you know he's that top pairing guy they want him to be he's been you know working that now for two seasons being that shutdown guy and uh i think the most impressive thing we heard from him is kind of learning how to manage the, the ups and downs when you're out there 23 24 minutes a night there's going to be ups there's going to be downs and you just got to you know do the best you can to get the w in the end and i think you know he, he's still learning that and i think he's doing you know a better job of that this season and he'll be the first to say you know it, it is a process we heard it from him and uh only 23 years old so i can only imagine what you know a 26 27 year old aaronak blood's going to look like because uh i think he's going to continue to be a pretty special player great to catch up with him there as uh, as aaronak blad and the panthers gear up for these final couple games the regular season here at the time of this recording panthers and the islanders coming up at seven o'clock on thursday and then the panthers close out the slate against the devils coming up on saturday night that's going to be fan appreciation fan appreciation night presented by walmart and uh, 954-835-puck florida panthers.com ticketmaster.com those are the places to go to get your tickets. But uh, a lot of fun surrounding these couple of games, the game against the Islanders. Jersey's off or back night, and uh, you have a chance. If you're in the building, if you have a ticket to the game on Thursday and you are in the building, you're going to have an opportunity to uh, to win one of the Panthers Which I think, is one, I think that's the coolest thing, obviously, fan appreciation at night itself. Is, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Is such a wild, crazy, fun night. But Jersey's off our backs. I mean, you, you it could be your first Panther game. You could be sitting there in your section, and you find out you're going to be going on the ice to get Roberto Longo's jersey or something crazy like that that's just the coolest thing to me it's incredible and it, it really is such a good way to say thank you to the fans thank you to you know the people that come for one game thank you to the people that come for every game no matter who you are you have a chance to get out there on the ice meet the team take some photos get a jersey and that's why i think it's just one of my favorite nights and uh, it's one of the biggest nights i look forward to every year and saturday's fan appreciation night presented by walmart which is madness and, uh, I, uh, there's gonna be lots of giveaways it's pandemonium every stoppage stanley's running around somebody's something. taking home something somebody's stanley's handing off a TV to someone someone's grabbing some gift cards it's everyone's a winner that night and uh, I just like I said another night of love and uh 
just a good way to end the season. Like I said, the, the teams won three in a row, won five in a row last year to end the season. The Devils team coming in, not a great season this year, not a great team. So for the Panthers to come out, I think if they really put on a good show in that last season and give themselves really something to build off in the offseason, I think everyone will be feeling uh, pretty good about themselves. So that's what lies ahead for us here again, Thursday at 7 against the Islanders, Saturday at 7 against the Devils, 954-835-PUCK, FloridaPanthers.com, Ticketmaster.com. At the time of this recording, Panthers on a three-game win streak. Chance to come out and see this uh, this Panthers team, this 18-19 edition of the Panthers, a couple of more games here at, uh, at the BB&T Center. So um, the Panthers and the Islanders Thursday, Panthers and the Devils on Saturday. And one big last shout-out, thank you. Like I said, this is the last recording of this season, but we'll be back every Wednesday in the offseason yep. like we always are. Tons of fun things, tons of fun guests coming up. We now have the ability to do call-in guests. Yes. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. We're working with that. So uh, maybe think about a little bit outside the box of, in terms of guests now going forward, which should be fun. But a big thank you to Jessica Blaylock, who's been a correspondent for yes. us multiple times this season. Her last Panther game was uh, the other night against the Capitals. So it's going to be tough to get her. Maybe we'll get her once this summer. I don't know. But now that she's with the, the Marlins, she'll be traveling. She'll be on the road a lot. And when she's not on the road, I'm sure she won't want to come in here and do a podcast. She'll want to rest. But maybe we'll get her back on once. I'm sure she'd love to. She loves you guys. But a big thank you from Doug and myself to Jess big Blaylock. thank you to uh, Jess Blaylock. And, uh, and those episodes are always so much fun. So um, again, she, she's old. She's old like us. We get to talk about the 90s. And and we love talking about the 90s. We love talking about the 90s. And uh, again, hopefully uh, hopefully we can get her to, to stop by for an episode of Territory Talk at, uh, at some point throughout the uh, spring or the summer. But a uh, big thank you, as always, to uh, to Jess. And a big thanks to everybody who uh, who tunes in on Territory Talk each and every week, making it a part of your week. And like Jameson said, all summer long, we'll have new material coming your way every Wednesday. So you can expect that from us at FloridaPanthers.com slash Territory Talk, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, anywhere that you find your favorite podcast, you can uh, find uh, Territory Talk. So be sure to check that out each and every Wednesday. And uh, feel free to always uh, tweet at us at Doug Plagans for me, at Jamison Coop for Jamison. You can find us on Twitter and uh, and let us know what you think about Territory Talk. If you have any friendly suggestions, any maybe guests that uh, that you'd like us to, to go out and try and find, anything that uh, we, we haven't done a mailbag in a while. Maybe we'll do a mailbag yeah. at some point. We can do a mailbag. If you have any, have any questions, uh, concerns, suggestions, anything you want to send our way, we're always on, uh, on Twitter. So be sure to uh, to find us there at Doug Plagans at Jameson Coop. That's going to be it for us for this 57th edition of Territory Talk, the official podcast of the Florida Panthers. As always, we thank you for tuning in, whether it's your first or your 57th time listening here. Thanks for making Territory Talk a part of your week. We hope to see you out here at the BB&T Center as the season winds down Thursday and Saturday against the Islanders and the Devils. That's what lies ahead for the Panthers here. So we hope to see you out at the BB&T Center as the uh, week and the season winds down for Jameson. I am Doug Plagans. Thanks very much for being with us here on Territory Talk today. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Territory Talk, the official podcast of the Florida Panthers. For all your Panthers news and information, follow FLA Panthers on Twitter.